Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. It's good to be here tonight with you. Thank you for coming. I know this is a busy time when uh, maybe an extra hour or two of studying might be nice, or maybe walking in the drizzling rain doesn't sound so great, so I appreciate you guys being here tonight. And uh, we are moving along in the Gospel of Mark now. This is the sixth week of the semester. Did you guys know that? Went by quick, right? Really quick. So uh, we're about, we're over a third of the way through the semester now, and um, I know that it's going to be a stressful time, which is a good time to be thinking about uh, Jesus calming the storm, actually. So um, we are, uh, at this point, like what we've been looking at, uh, like for instance, last week we looked at this parable where Jesus has been teaching about, the, he was in a boat uh, teaching about the kingdom of God and uh, the parable of the sower, which and what we looked at with that parable was how so many reject the gospel, particularly when life gets overwhelming. And we talked about this idea that for true disciples, the gospel, the word of God about Jesus and his grace and love has to go deep. Remember, we talked about how it needs to go deep. And on the heels of that is this account of Jesus out on a boat with his disciples. So let me read it for us. Um, Mark 4, starting in verse 35. Uh, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. This is Jesus saying to his disciples. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even even the wind and the sea obey him? Pray with me again. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come now to your word, we pray that you would show us your truth and that your truth would set us free. Uh, We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. One of the best things to do, something that my family likes to do in the summertime, is watch a storm roll in from afar. Uh, We go to the Jersey Shore every summer, and oftentimes, you know, summer afternoons, you can see scattered storms roll in, and Sometimes you can even, from a distance, just see like lightning bolts like striking, but you're so far away that it's just like really fun to watch. Or you can see fronts moving, like with your eye, you can just see like the clouds moving fast as a storm approaches. But the thing about a storm like that is that if you're up close with that storm, it's very, very scary, right? I was once in a house where uh, lightning struck the house, and 
It was the loudest sound, like, you know, thunder is loud, but when it's right above you, it's like violently loud. It was one of the like scariest, like split seconds ever. Uh, all the TVs got fried, like in the house. Um, uh, you know, hurricanes, I mean, we're kind of ending hurricane season now. And so there's been all this footage of hurricanes in different places and just the devastation that they can uh, bring. And if you're in the mid, if you're so, if you're in a storm, like the storm is on top of you, you begin to feel very, very small and kind of helpless, uh, like uh, powerless. And uh, sometimes the best way to describe circumstances that we face in life is it's like a storm. You know, I can't. You know, I'm drowning. Right? We say that a lot. I'm underwater. Uh, it's too much for me. And. It's the same kind of thing where you, when you hear about bad stuff happening to other people, it's bad, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. But when it happens to you, uh, you immediately begin to feel small and helpless. Uh, I'm talking about when people get sick. Loved ones get sick. Loved ones pass away. We get sick. Uh, people that we thought wouldn't abandon us or reject us do abandon or reject us. Or our plans for the future fall through. And you don't know what's going to happen next. Or money dries up. Or divorce happens in our family. Uh, whatever it is. You know, these are the kind of storms I'm thinking about. And college can be a time where you quickly go from being very excited to be here. And life is good. To uh, feeling helpless and alone. Like you're in a storm. Like you don't know uh, what is going to come of this uh, time in this life. And when you think about God in those moments, when we think about him in those moments where we kind of feel like we're drowning, our instinct is to say the same thing that these disciples say to Jesus when he's asleep in the boat, which is, do you not care that we are perishing? And this word perishing is a strong word. It's not just like, it's like, do you not care that we're being destroyed is what they're saying. Like, they're panicking. And it's making them question, the big question they're, they're asking is, do you love us? How could you love me if you're letting this happen to me? And the interesting thing about these guys in this boat is at the end of their lives, these same guys willingly go to their death for Jesus. Like, they willingly step into all these situations that are going to lead to them getting arrested and whipped and jailed and ultimately put to death um, for him, for this Jesus who's in the boat with them in this story. And so I want us to think about that. How, did, how would this experience change them? And how is this story meant to change us? Or what do we find out about Jesus in this story that can make us cling to him? and endure the storms of life uh, in an unwavering way while clinging to him. So uh, what we're going to see in this passage is uh, that we learn about Jesus. We find out about him is his power in the storm, his purpose for the storm, and his presence in the storm. So three Ps, power, purpose, and presence. Really easy tonight. So uh, the first is that Jesus has power over the storm. That's what we see uh, kind of, it's easy to see in the story, right? Uh, there's a powerful storm.
storm. Uh, these are seasoned fishermen. Like these are not like you and me out there uh, panicking, but these are guys that had seen storms and been on boats in storms before. And yet these guys are freaked out. Uh, there's details like water is coming into the boat. Not a good sign, right? If you're on a boat, that's not what you want to see. And meanwhile, Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat and they wake him up and you know the storm again is so powerful that they're just questioning immediately questioning his love for them do you not care and Jesus wakes up and he speaks to the storm like he it says he literally rebukes the storm like if this room were filled with a bunch of unruly children and I was like stop that's kind of what it's talking about and it stops. It says there's a great calm. Like, so what we're talking about is not like, oh, it gradually kind of died down. But this is a miracle. This is meant to be portrayed as a miracle. Like Jesus yelled at the storm to stop, and it did. And there's a great, there's a temptation here because the temptation is we can look at the story like this and be like, this is a myth. Oh. It's uh, meant to make us feel better about trials that we're in. And the problem with that is that it's not written as a myth. For instance, uh, meaningless details are included, like the fact that other boats were out there. Not important to the myth, right? It's just, uh, or how about the one that says Jesus was asleep on the cushion, right? Why just say on the cushion? Uh, it had to be because Peter, who was recounting the story to Mark, who wrote this gospel, remembered that there was a cushion. Uh, remember that there were other boats out. So this has the ring of authentic eyewitness testimony, uh, that of Peter, and not to mention the fact that Peter went on to die for the, like saying that these are true stories. Uh, he, he died because he wasn't willing to backtrack on this stuff. So we need to, there's a lot of credibility to this story, although it is miraculous, although we don't see this kind of thing very often. But the point is that the, there's a great call. Like Jesus says, stop, and it stops. Imagine the waves are billowing and all of a sudden it's glass. And at the end of it all, another reason we know it's not a myth, like the disciples are more terrified of Jesus than they were of the storm in the first place. They're like, who is that? Like, who have we found ourselves with? Uh, this man who has power over the storm. I think about this one time when I was in grad school I was working on some, something related to school, some project or paper or something like that, and I'm having computer trouble, and I'm, like, pulling my hair out. Like, the Internet's not working in my apartment, and I'm trying to get stuff done. And for, like, hours, I'm, like, trying everything I know, like, to do to fix it. And finally, I call my brother. My brother is, like, a computer genius. Like, he just, he's amazing with that kind of thing. And... Uh, I talked to him, I was like, listen, I've, I've been working on this, all, like, I have this problem, this, here's what's going on, I don't have a clue what's going on, and uh, he, like, very quickly hacks into my computer from his house across the country, and I see the mouse moving on my screen, like, he's moving it, and he fixes it in, like, 30 seconds, and I was just like, why didn't I just do this, like, hours ago, it was amazing, like, it was just like, I was so stressed and immediately it was just like, oh, thank you. Good. Um, that's, you know, 
if, if you're here, if you're questioning God, if you have questions about God, if you're wondering, like, I don't know about this stuff. Is it true? Can I stake my life on it? What you need to see here is that Jesus demonstrates the power of God here. Like, this is an eyewitness story of him demonstrating the power of God. And he does it over and over again. And the question for you is, how will you respond? If this Jesus did this, how will you respond? It demands a response. Uh, if you're a believer, if you're here and you're, you're a Christian, you're a believer, then you believe that this story is true. And I want to ask you, do you believe that it's true? Does the reality of this story factor into the way that you handle trials in life? Do you, or do you still get frantic? you get frantic or do you go to the source of ultimate power? when life feels like it's falling apart. And when we go into panic mode, when we go into franticness, uh, when a storm hits, it's one of the clearest signs that although we believe in God, although we believe in his power, the reality could still go deeper. It could go so much deeper, and we need it to go deeper. And that's actually one of the reasons why we see here why he allows storms to happen in the first place. Uh, second uh, P is Jesus has purpose for the storm. Uh, and we see it in verse 40 here when after it all goes, you know, they wake Jesus up. Uh, he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And when we see what, we're, what Jesus is getting at, like he understood that storms were scary. But what he's getting at is that they should have known that, that Jesus could calm a storm. Like these are, they had been with Jesus when he, for instance, healed people. Uh, they had been with Jesus uh, when he had demonstrated power and love. And so, um, you know, they should have known that there was no safer place to be than actually with him in the boat. They should have thought, okay, this is terrifying, but we have Jesus with us. So, like, nothing bad can happen to us because he's with us. Um, and it reveals that Jesus actually, like, Jesus was the one who was like, let's go. Like, he had a purpose for this journey, which was to strengthen their faith in him. Now, there's a lot of mystery why bad things happen. Like, I don't know why all bad things, sometimes bad things happen to us because of bad choices we've made. And life gets worse because of a choice we've made. Sometimes it's, there's no clear, like, you know, can't point to anything, any reason, except it just Happen. So there's mystery here. But what scripture is resoundingly clear about is that God can use trials, which are not, in and of themselves, they're not good, bad things. He can use them to draw us near to him, to make us depend on him, to make us come to love him, to make us come to live for him uh, because we've endured the trial. Uh, what, what the Bible is clear about is that dependence on God, though, does not come easy. It needs to be worked into us as Jesus is working it into his disciples. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago, if you were here, that I had, uh, when I was 16 years old, I had brain surgery. You guys remember me talking about that? And um, Brain surgery is like major surgery, right? It doesn't get much more major in the surgical world than having surgery on your brain. And the funny thing about having surgery like that at a young age, is that I've had uh, very minor surgeries twice since then. Once on my wisdom, to have my wisdom teeth removed and once to have a finger fix, uh, tendon in my finger fixed. And uh, 
like surgery is weird. If you've ever had surgery, you know it's a little bit like you're kind of unprepared for how bad you feel after you've been like woken up after like anesthesia and stuff. And it's a little scary and it's obviously painful anytime that someone cuts into you. Like it's kind of, you're kind of unprepared for how bad that hurts. And the thing about having brain surgery first is that the other ones were like nothing to me. And part of it is because I was like, I know that this is going to end. Like, I know I'm going to feel better. Like, I know this is normal to feel this way. And it's going to heal, like, soon. And so, like, you know, whereas, like, you know, surgery is surgery and it's bad and it doesn't feel good, uh, having been through the worst gives you such resilience, uh, such ability to withstand uh, trials from then forward. And, you know, with the kind of trial we're talking about here, it's about a trial of learning to love. It's a, a trial of learning to depend on his love even when it seems like he doesn't love you. Why is, it so, why is it so important that these guys, the disciples and us here tonight, are dependent on God? It's important because we are dependent on him. Like, think about breathing. You know, you are dependent on God to keep you alive. Like, all kinds of things can happen at any moment. And the Bible teaches us that our biggest problem is that we deceive ourselves into thinking we can control it. I can control my destiny, which is ignoring reality and living a lie, because I can't. Uh, the reason why is because being in control of our own destiny, it feels good. Like, I like being, even if I'm not, I like to feel like I am. Uh, I can create my own rules. I can do what I want to do. It feels nice. But at some point, reality is going to hit, and I'm not going to be in control and life will begin to feel like I'm drowning in a storm, like I'm all alone with water coming in the boat and there's no help in sight. Uh, that we could call that, you know, an experience of intense anxiety, right? Have you ever been anxious before? I have. Is it a good feeling? No, it's an awful feeling. It feels kind of like drowning. It doesn't feel like freedom and flourishing. It feels like slavery. It feels like suffocating. And Jesus hates that our experience of life can be that way. For Jesus, that's the farthest thing from life uh, that there is. Like, life is meant to be free and full and full of joy. And he'll stop at nothing to bring God's people back to him. Not because he wants to boss us around but because he wants us to experience life as it was meant to be, flourishing, enjoying him in his world. And what that process often looks like is storms. And the cure for this kind of deep-rooted illness that we have of self-sufficiency is often painful and confusing. Uh, I have little kids, you guys know, I think you all know, and... Uh, we live in this world of like trying to give medicine to our kids when they're sick and they're, it's impossible. You know, they're just like, no, no. Or 
uh, you know, it's like, we're trying to help you. And it's just like, no, this is disgusting. Or, you know, cleaning out a wound and it hurts more. Or going to the doctor, we were talking about this earlier, and getting vaccines, like a needle going into your arm. Like, you should go to a doctor's appointment with a parent of like a one-year-old and see what it's like as your child just like shrieks in horror at you for letting them stab this needle into your arm. And what they don't have the maturity to see is that like we get them stabbed because we love them. Because we want them to flourish. And as you get older, you come to see that. And you're like, man, it's nice to have parents that wanted me to be healthy, you know? But it takes time. And part of God's purpose for storms is to drive us away from self-sufficiency and toward the love of God. Because self-sufficiency is a lie that can kill you. You can die from that. Uh, questioning God's love for you and his care for you can also lead you to places that will lead to your death. Like when you, because when you stop believing that God loves you, that's when you start making really bad decisions. But storms, so sometimes God can be gracious to allow storms uh, to drive us away from ourselves and into him into his love and care. But it's so hard, right? How can we endure? How can we accept the painful and difficult ways that God is working faith into our hearts? And that's where we get to our final point, which is that Jesus is present in the storm. He's in the boat with the disciples. They don't have to endure it alone. They're not alone. And he's also present with his people today. It doesn't always feel like it. But his promise is that he's present with his people in every moment today. Now, how can we be sure? How can we be sure that Jesus has our good in mind when I'm suffering, when I'm in a storm? Uh, The answer is that Jesus endured the ultimate storm. Uh, If you look through the Old Testament at the prophets, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and others, oftentimes God is, you know, there's imagery of a storm, like the wrath of God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 30 actually says, Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. And what it's saying is that God has wrath stored up for people who reject him. And, and the best analogy for like what God's wrath is going to be like is a storm, a whirling tempest. And here in this story, Jesus' disciples endure a whirling tempest, but it's nothing compared to what Jesus will endure in Mark chapter 15, 11 chapters later, when he gets nailed to a cross. When he gets, in Mark chapter 15, Jesus, who never went astray, who prayed to his Father all the time, even though he was God himself, Someone who always lived in the truth, he dies in place of those of us that often go astray. Those of us that live a lie and pretend that we're something when we're not. On the cross, Jesus got hit with the storm. A storm of pain and ridicule and abandonment, helplessness, not knowing what his future held. 
the way a wicked person should endure that. And he did it to bring us back to reality. He did it so that we might never question his love and say, do you not care that we're per- I'm perishing? Do you not care? Because the one thing you can't do when you look at the cross is say, do you not care? Maybe you're in the middle of an intense storm right now. And I just want to acknowledge storms can be horrible. There's a lot about life. There's a lot about young, you know, the life of college age people that can just be kind of horrible. Heartache and sadness and pain. Uh, insecurity and just kind of wondering and not knowing where you stand and all these things. And I don't know what you're going through, but I do know... Jesus shows us that you can trust this God. doesn't mean it won't be hard or painful along the way, but what it teaches us is that God can be good and love you in a storm. And as we follow Jesus, you know, as we go on this journey of discipleship, like these disciples, we'll slowly be transformed so that we can endure intense storms with an unwavering faith in God. We can do it more and more as we come to know his power, as we come to know that he has a purpose, as we come to know that he's present with us. And I love what uh, this author, Tim Keller, writes about in his book on suffering. He says this about uh, what it's like. He says, Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you. That's being cast away from God. He took that, So now all suffering that comes into your life will only make you great. A lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond. And the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into somebody gorgeous. Uh, Let's close by just praying that God would do that for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, pray that you would make us gorgeous through trial, through suffering and pain, uh, through storms. Uh, We pray that you'd make us into the people we were meant to be, and we pray that you would give us uh, grace to endure uh, suffering, not by saying, uh, do you not care, you must not care, uh, but instead leaning into uh, how present you are with us and how much you must care uh, to come and die, uh, to come and experience hell on our behalf to save us. Uh, Strengthen us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.